Welcome everyone, this is Isaac Benjamin, and I'd like to welcome you to my fifth episode of my Frontline Podcast, and this one is titled Life Plus Light Plus Love Equals Truth. And I really didn't expect to get all spiritual so quickly in this thing that I'm being slash doing, but I write down what I'm led to by my heart, so here we are. And when I speak these words that are written, my goal is to resonate with the truth that only flows from the source. No books, no data, just real talk. You know, communion, not medical advice. And speaking of my heart, isn't it crazy that a spark of electricity, it starts at the top of my heart and travels down through connections, kind of like wires to the bottom of my heart. And to make a long story short, it moves the muscle that pumps the blood, that goes around your body, that carries the oxygen, that keeps you alive. An easily measurable amount of electricity flows through our hearts and keeps us alive. That's just crazy to me. We measure physical death on the basis of whether or not a body possesses that spark. And through modern medicine, if that spark isn't gone for too long of a time frame, we can actually raise people from the dead. They're dead, we shock them, then they're alive. I've been a part of so many resuscitation situations at this point in my career that it doesn't really even phase me. And they're called codes, code blue. Um, and these COVID codes, they're like a whole new breed because once someone has lost that spark from COVID, if they get to that point, there's no coming back, at least from what I've seen. We may bring you back for a couple more days of hanging around on a vent, like a brave heart slowly choking but I haven't seen a COVID patient whom I've broken ribs on ever come back for good. Talking to my very deaf papa is kind of difficult, but we can get through it. He speaks of life, and for him right now, it's just existing. He feels as though he's already lived his life, and now he's in some sort of purgatory where... All he has left is his worry for his children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and the world they're living in now and will continue to live in. Being in the ICU has, I guess, warped my views on forced health, um, just basically giving people things that keep them alive. I found... A lot of these people don't even have the capacity to speak for themselves, and we just keep them alive. We keep that spark going. It's crazy to be part of a system where other people can have the ability to place feeding tubes and holes in people's necks and what they call their loved ones and keep them alive or keep that spark going just so they can exist for their own personal gain. 
So getting back to that spark, what is it? Where does it come from? When does that spark begin? I'm only guessing, but I'm pretty sure at six weeks after sperm unites with an egg and makes in a disgusting omelet, there's a detectable heartbeat, a spark. Is that when a soul attaches to form within a mother when you can detect that spark? I'm not sure, but that makes sense to me. Either way, it's just a neat thought. Some independent spark, separate from the mother, it exists inside of. Somebody call physics, call Einstein, because we have two things occupying the same space. This shouldn't be possible. The miracle of life is so mysteriously amazing, isn't it? So, in my mind, that spark is life. So what about light? My papa still has that spark inside of him. I can hook him up to an EKG and prove there's still electrical activity flowing through his heart. But it seems that his light is becoming more faded every day. This is not a knock on my papa. I've pulled so many of his values and morals into my own life, and he's helped make me into a better man today. But he's not really doing anything other than sitting in his chair taking a handful of pills, and just having the news on in the background. We no longer try to heal people, but instead we tell them to go to their doctor and ask him which pills and shots are right for you. Quantity over quality is what they preach. This being my 13th year as a nurse, I've been in the hospital setting most of the time, and I've seen a lot. I've seen a little bit of everything since I've floated to just about every department in the hospital, and the light can be seen at varying degrees, depending on where I'm working. In the anesthesia world, we have made a science or almost like an art form out of keeping the spark going while turning out the lights so we can cut your belly open or pull your knee out and put another knee in, just whatever, and then... When we sew you back up, we slowly turn up the dimmer. Almost no one physically dies in the OR because we're always able to keep that spark going through medicine and electricity. But there's some whose lights never turn back on. If the brain goes without oxygen for too long of a time, that light burns out. Then there's the neurocritical care where damaged brains start their slow decline of losing their light. So if the spark of life lives in the heart, it seems to me that the light of the mind it dwells or lives in the brain. It's so very sad to see people with feeding tubes and just their lights completely off sometimes. It's just a spark separated from its light, disconnected. And it's just kind of crazy how a spark can remain without a light for, quite honestly, a really long time. But on the flip side, a light will fade very quickly if that spark leaves the body. So to kind of wrap all this together up to this point, 
I believe to truly be alive, one needs both a spark in the heart and a light on in the mind. To be truly living, it's important. And I'm not sure how it all works, but COVID definitely seems to attack the light first. I don't know if it's so people can suffer and be tortured on our machines before it finally takes out our spark. Weird, it's evil, that's all there is to it, but it's definitely weird how this whole thing works. To me, love is what connects life and light, and within us reveals truth. To me and what I've seen, quality is more important than quantity. And at the beginning of this pandemic, I've had to hold the hand of a man who had long lost his light. As his two loved ones, because that's all we were allowing, sat outside his glass door, I prepared with a respiratory therapist to pull his breathing tube. His family asked me to hold his hand because he couldn't have his loved ones with him as he lost his spark. I did it, but I couldn't just help wonder why I couldn't dress up his loved ones in the same PPE, personal protective equipment, and let them be with him. There's nothing magical about this trash bag, gloves, mask, and face shield that I'm wearing. It's just equipment. And in hindsight, I believe the righteous thing I could have done was dress them up, create a barricade if I needed to, and let them be with him. But I would have definitely been fired and probably crucified for breaking these new rules of germs. Thankfully and luckily, we do now dress up family members in PPE and let them be with their loved ones as they lose their spark. We didn't do this at first, but now that the hospital has a waiver for families to sign, we can do it. They'll allow it. A little more recently, I had to break the ribs of an unfortunate man in his early 40s, very overweight, diabetic, and unvaccinated for all you people that are keeping a tally. I was the manual blood pump until my firecracker nursing friend shocked the spark right back into him, and we got him back. This is the point where I feel obligated to reach out to the decision maker who happened to be his wife and try to reason with her like why we need to make him a DNR. I do not resuscitate. Unfortunately, if COVID can get you to the point where it can take out that spark, it's too late to try to get back their light. I don't know where their light goes. I just know it's gone. It's not in this reality anymore. The wife agreed that he wouldn't want to be beat on and shocked anymore, but she understandably couldn't let him go yet. She wanted to keep him on the breathing tube, so for a few more days, he was there on a ventilator. She hadn't seen what we had seen over and over in the ICU. I see you. I see you. So she kept holding on for a miracle for a couple days. And when I could see that there was nothing that any of us nurses, doctors, or respiratory therapists could do to save him, I told her I believed 
The miracle was us getting him back in the first place so she could have the opportunity to be there with him when that spark left him. She wasn't mad at me because she could feel I was speaking with love and from love. And when her sister-in-law showed up, the man's sister, they got dressed up, they went in his room, held his hand as the spark left his body and started his journey to reconnect with the light. I'm guessing on a string of love. I know some will listen to this and label me crazy and quite honestly through all this I feel like I am sometimes. But I hope that most of you that are listening can connect with me right now in this moment in love. I hope that you can feel the truth that's being revealed to me through my experiences. I wouldn't be here right now if my father didn't know CPR. They found me at the bottom of my papa's pool. They don't know how long I was down there, and from what I was told, I was just lifeless and blue. I'm not sure if I lost my spark, or my light, or both at that point in time and space, but my third eye vision or whatever has been on the fritz ever since. So I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us and listening to us. And may God, Allah, Infinite Intelligence, Buddha, Krishna, bless you all. And join me next time for my next episode titled the biological elephant in the room. I hope y'all enjoyed.